Astrid and Jamila would like to acknowledge that this podcast was made on the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and we note that this sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome to Anonymous Was a Woman and welcome to what I think is going to be my favourite episode because today our theme is favourites and Astrid and I are both bringing you two books that we have absolutely loved that are new releases and we are joined by Madison Howarth from Future Women to bring a little bit more to this conversation. We're going to be having a few of the Future Women team join us in forthcoming episodes to bring another perspective to our conversation and hopefully side with me that all of Astrid's science fiction recommendations are rubbish. Looking forward to that. Welcome, Maddie. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for having me. That was a very rude introduction, Jam. (laughs) Sorry. It's going to keep coming. Astrid, today, interestingly, you and I had our pick of new releases to bring to this conversation and both of us have brought a memoir. What is it about memoir that you love? I love memoir, Jam, and surprisingly, I never previously read memoir. This has really been something that I've started to enjoy over the last two or three years. This is a very controversial thing that I'm about to say, but I actually think that many memoirs were pretty boring previously. I think that the style has changed and now it's appropriate to be a lot more personal, a lot more intimate, a lot more sharing because society has changed. You know, memoirs so often used to be that more formal type of autobiography where, you know, you were born, this is your childhood, this is where you went to school, et cetera, et cetera. It was kind of more formal. Now, obviously, that's a huge generalization that I've just made, but I really have started to enjoy memoir more because there is so much more freedom and liberty. And I think publishers, including really large publishers, are encouraging that new form of personal account. Maddie, do you read memoir very often? I do really like memoirs because I love people that overshare. And you can just learn so much from other people. So I love oversharing, reading people's most personal accounts of their lives and learning from them. I find that kind of therapeutic in a way to know that they've gone through things that maybe or thought things that you have and you don't feel so alone sometimes in those weird little thoughts you've had if you read somebody else has had them too. (laughs) I like that vulnerability and imperfection of modern memoir as well. I feel like historically, and when I say historically, you know, I mean as recently as 20, 30 years ago, memoir has kind of been the highlights reel or almost the resume of someone's life, you know, ticking off those big achievements and not speaking to the harder or more difficult or the uglier or the less impressive elements of someone's life. I think there's also something to say when it comes to modern memoir about whose stories are getting told. We know particularly here in Australia, memoir has been a device that has been available in terms of being published to mostly white men and the occasional white woman. And that is starting to shift and that's starting to shift in a big way. Astrid, you're the bookish one amongst us. When did that shift start to happen and did it coincide with your new love of memoir? Look, I haven't done enough research to give you a particular date or anything. I think that it has mirrored and reflected and even contributed to the shift we are all experiencing and seeing. 
I mean, these conversations have always been had, but now they're being had at the international level, at the public level, at conferences, on social media. People now write about their personal experiences. So you don't write about your life. You write about your experience of a particular event or a particular traumatic event. You write about your own identity. You write about the things that we are talking about or increasingly talking about in public as opposed to this was my life and these are the things that I happen to do. So I think that it feeds off each other. Society is changing and books are a part of that change. Maddie, do you agree with my very uh, not academic differential there between what we're allowed to say or what maybe people are bringing to the public debate now? I agree that memoirs are also being written by younger people, which I really like. So it doesn't need to be you're at the end of your career and this is how you made it and this is what you did throughout your life. Because as soon as I start to read a book that's sort of just like the highlights reel, that's really boring to me. I like younger people sharing their experiences and where they're at now. So even if the book ends and it's not the end of their journey, even better, because they're still on that sort of journey with you. And I like learning that along with them and the grittier, the better for me. That is such an excellent point. You just made me think of Rick Morton. Rick Morton is nowhere near 40 yet, and he's already published two memoirs. And I hope there are many, many more to come. Yeah, I'm also thinking of Rosie Waterland, who published two memoirs before she was 35. And both of those authors, who I think are, you know, some of the best memoirists of this generation, have joked about that being silly or unnecessary or, you know, I haven't lived long enough to write this many memoirs. They were both completely compelling and I think spoke to stories of childhood that often aren't told. And that, of course, is the joy of memoir. Today, we're going to unpack two very new memoirs. Astrid, what are you bringing? I'm bringing Claire Coleman's first long-form work of nonfiction. Her memoir, Lies, Damn Lies, a personal exploration of the impact of colonisation. Do you know, I think you bringing works by Claire Coleman may be about to overtake just how often you bring science fiction more generally, Astrid? Well, that's because Claire does write science fiction. So I have uh, repeatedly talked about Claire Coleman on this podcast, but this is new and this is nonfiction. No science fiction today, Jan. Look, I'm thrilled by that. And Claire Coleman is actually my rare exception for reading of science fiction. And I am bringing All About Eve by Eve Reese, who is a new author. And I think you're really going to love this one, guys. All right, Maddie and Jam, I adore all of Claire Coleman's work. And recently she published her first long-form work of nonfiction, Lies, Damn Lies, A Personal Exploration of the Impact of Colonization. This is a mixture of new thoughts and previously published pieces. When I first read this, I think I described it on Twitter as a gut punch of brilliance. This will take your breath away for good and for uncomfortable reasons. And those uncomfortable reasons are the best type of reasons to read this book. I don't think that I can talk about Claire's work or particularly Lies, Damn Lies without noting that I read this as a white woman. Claire is a Noongar woman and this is her interpretation of colonization. And I believe it is one that we should put front and center of our public discourse colonization is still here, it is ongoing, and it is still present every single day. It 
makes me feel angry though first <laughs> because you feel kind of ripped off and I don't think that that is unique to being an Indigenous woman reading this. I think that white people feeling this will feel that as well. Uh, reading this, sorry, will feel that as well. Because the whole time you're reading it, it's kind of like, why wasn't I told this sooner? And why wasn't everyone told this sooner in school? And why are we given such a glossed over and just frankly, just untrue version of Australian history so that it's more comfortable to grow up on stolen land, essentially, rather than just reckoning with the truth and then moving forward in a more genuine and honest way where we can address the issues that are still ongoing, which are just going to keep being ongoing. They are. And that's the thing. You know, you read 10 pages of this book and once you've got your breath back, you realise that everything that you learnt in primary school is a literal lie. For example, when Cook decided to claim, in inverted commas, Australia for the British Empire. By all accounts, he just faked his own logbook. It's extraordinary. One of the things I think that was expressed so clearly by Coleman, which was a concept I think I had in my head, but perhaps not as elegantly put, not perhaps, definitely not as elegantly put, is that obviously she goes back in time and talks us through based on her years of research, the experience of colonisation. She also, I think, encapsulates colonisation as a process, as something that is still happening, as opposed to something that we now have to rectify that happened a long time ago. She, I think, puts words to the presentness. You can see why she puts the words to things, not me. To the presentness of colonisation and sort of sets it up as a concept that is happening in 2021 because we do have this history and culture as a continent that is built on this set of lies, as you put it. It is a set of lies. The phrase that Claire uses is colonisation is a process, not an event. This is Claire's memoir and Claire is an extraordinary writer. I, as I've said, I adore all of her work and you do pay me out, Jam, quite extensively for loving speculative fiction and science fiction, which Claire writes. But even in this memoir about colonisation and racism and xenophobia, Claire has a chapter in here called I Monster. And this is where she takes a look at speculative fiction and science fiction. She's looking at aliens. She's looking at Dracula. She's looking at Frankenstein. She's looking at all of that stuff that we've seen on the big screen. And she's actually examining racism and colonization through that kind of Hollywood blockbuster pop cultural lens. It's amazing. I feel like there's a whole PhD in this chapter with Claire analysing all of those tropes that we've seen in Hollywood movies over and over again that demonise black women and to a lesser extent women and even Ellen Ripley from Aliens, the Sigourney Weaver famous strong female lead type character that at a certain stage in feminism we were all celebrating. Claire Coleman points out that only a white woman could survive and the alien is in fact a metaphor for black women. It's extraordinary. I've got a question for Maddie. The entire book is about colonisation as a process rather than as something that happened in the past. Do you think decolonisation is possible? I think so. It would take a long time, though, because of how deeply these lies have penetrated Australian psyche. And Coleman says that 
Cook's assertions were not scrutinised because Australia still needs it to maintain the status quo. And that's a direct quote from her. And I thought that that really spoke to why it's maintained still today. Is it that our systems and structures are all built on that lie? And so it kind of unravels everything? Well, yeah, yeah, it does. It, it does unravel everything. Everyone would have to learn to them an entirely new history and they would also have to admit being complicit in and, and benefiting from atrocities, <laughs> like really horrible, horrible things that are still happening today. And nobody wants to say that they played a part in that. Claire starts this memoir by recounting an experience she had with her father of going back to country only about six or seven years ago in 2015, so not very long ago. And the experience of doing that, going back to country, but in Claire's case and for her family, that does mean going back to the site of a massacre, how she changed her life and how she decided based on that experience that she would change her life to write and that would be her contribution to changing our world and our society and her contribution to dismantling colonisation. I found reading that, it actually helped to inform how I feel about Australia, which honestly is not very positive mostly, but it also allowed me to reinterpret and love more her first novel, Terra Nullius, which was her speculative fiction novel about invasion. I found that reading this memoir made me love her fiction more. Hmm, That's interesting. I think one of the other themes that kept coming through to me while I was reading was how behind Australia is in this process. I'm not saying that other countries have arrived. I don't think they've arrived at that mythical point of decolonisation that Maddie was just speaking about. But If you think about New Zealand, if you think about who had a treaty from the beginning, if you think about the Maori-specific positions in New Zealand's parliament, if you think about the way Maori culture is integrated into systems and processes and ceremonies and celebrations in New Zealand in a way that feels, I think, more meaningful and authentic than the way white institutions tend to do that in Australia – or if you even think about places like South Africa, where there are enormous, enormous problems, but at least people have said it out loud. I think Australians still have a problem with saying out loud what was done in our name or by our ancestors because it's, it's almost too horrific to own up to. I agree. And in this work, Claire goes through a whole bunch of those kind of flashpoints and trigger points where the public debate suddenly gets gross and people try to shut it down. So she has chapters here on Invasion Day. She has chapters here on the Northern Territory intervention on Black Lives Matter, the international movement, but also how that relates to Australia, Indigenous people and climate change, the idea of sorry and where Australia stands on that, Kevin Rudd's apology notwithstanding. There are all sorts of huge areas where our public discourse just breaks down sometimes. And Claire is giving us a way to look at them by sharing her experience and her thoughts and forcing us, particularly white people like myself, but everybody who lives in Australia, to reflect on where we stand and what we're doing and how we will contribute to not continuing colonisation. One of my favourite parts in the book was when 
Common talks about the strength of women and Indigenous women keeping culture alive and essentially being the reason why we have survived. I just thought that was really beautiful because I've seen that in in my family as well. It's a very matriarchal family on my mum's side. It's all the women who are passing on strength and keeping us connected to to culture. And I just thought that that was so, yeah, just really beautiful that she pointed that out, that in Indigenous culture and, and in a lot of cultures around the world that it's widely known if you educate women that you educate a whole community as well. So it's the same sort of thing that we are so important. And I would say that this book sits really well alongside Dark Emu because not only does she refer to Dark Emu quite a bit, Dark Emu is very much a historical retelling of history and this adds a, a personal and emotional layer to that. So I think they go really well together. So today I am absolutely thrilled to be bringing All About Eve by Dr. Eve Reese. They are a writer, but also a historian and a podcaster. Eve uses they, them pronouns, they're trans. And when Eve was, I think, 30 years old, that was when they came to the understanding that they were trans. And I think even the telling of that story in a beautifully written public way is important because for too long, I think we've had this trope of born in the wrong body trans stories. And while that is certainly a true and valid feeling for some trans people, it's certainly not a true and valid feeling for all. And Eve speaks in this book so eloquently and also incisively, I think, about their three decades on this earth being called Anne and coming to grapple with the knowledge that they were not a woman and also having to grapple with the reactions of the people around them. I loved every second of this memoir. It gave me an insight into a world and an experience that is far removed from my own as a cis woman. And I think I really enjoyed the rigor of the writing because it's not just a well-told story. It is very much set against the context of the history and the history of how trans people have been treated and considered in literature and TV and film in cultural context as well as at a community level. Astrid, have you read this one? I have. I adored it and I agree completely. Eve has a very personal writing style but also as you say they are an academic and there is a bedrock of research and rigor underneath this personal memoir that means I think this memoir will stand the test of time for a long time. I think that this memoir will stay in print actually and it will be one of those memoirs that sets the style, sets the tone, sets what can be achieved for trans memoirs. Maddie, opening thoughts. I also adored this. I read it in two sittings and loved it. It was such an informative and easy and lovely read. 
they write so beautifully and I learned just so, so much. At the beginning of this episode, we all discussed what we thought of memoir and autobiography and how it might have changed over time. I think Eve's memoir is the perfect example of how memoir has changed and for the better. I'm not sure if a major publishing house would have taken Eve's story a decade ago to put a random time frame on it. And if a major publishing house did take it, I think maybe they would have imposed some kind of stereotype on it. Whereas now Eve has written their own story as they choose. One of the things I find fascinating about All About Eve is the speed with which Eve has experienced realizing that they are trans, coming out as trans, writing a memoir and publishing a memoir about being trans. I think it's happened in about three to four years. That's really quick. That's quick to publish a book, let alone write a memoir and have that life identity experience. Yeah, the turnaround was quick. And I think given that and knowing that how much of this memoir was written during COVID lockdowns as well, because Eve lives in Melbourne, I imagine writing this must have been a really lonely experience. And I'm I'm projecting there, but I think this is such a deeply personal memoir. A lot of the, this sounds crude, but the action of this memoir is taking place inside Eve's own head, right? And it is a process of thinking and feeling and the thoughts that flow And to write that and do that reflection, at least partly during a pandemic and during those long lockdowns in 2020, I don't know, it must have been incredibly isolating. Maddie, what did you learn from this memoir that perhaps you didn't know previously? Really simple things, actually, I think. Things like having your gender on your passport and how that can present as such an issue, I guess, for anybody going through figuring themselves out but then also once they know themselves they then have to justify that to everyone around them and also they say why is it even necessary that it's on our passport as well it's something that I don't have to think about on my license and passport and it's such a simple thing that I think could be changed really kind of easily but it's not things like that yeah another one that really struck me again was something that I think I had contemplated before but perhaps didn't have the words for was I am a feminist. I write about gender for a living and often to write about gender or to explore gender, it is necessary to explore the very real discrimination against women that still exists in our community. But I think what Eve helped me start to ask questions about was how do I do that and how do I do that fairly and rightly because it's an issue that deserves attention but talk about discrimination against women in a way that is inclusive rather than exclusive of trans people. I mean this very podcast is called Anonymous Was a Woman which we have taken from a butchered Virginia Woolf quote but it straight away talks to the experiences of women, books by women and books about women. And we push the boundaries of that a lot of time. You know, we, we often have a token man, well, not often, usually once a season, we have a token man on the podcast. But it did start to make me question my own language and the way we create spaces that are safe for women in a way that particularly non-binary people who don't 
identify as trans women, but non-binary people or trans men also continue to feel safe in those spaces and feel seen in those spaces and not feel kind of like they're uh, tacked on to the end, like women and. That really stuck out to me too. I know that, you know, we have the Stella Prize, which has had a public debate about becoming a prize for women and non-binary people. And Eve explicitly states, not in relation to Stella, but in relation to that terminology and that use of language, why that's actually a problem and why that is still not inclusive, even though everybody's trying so hard to be inclusive. And it's just a reminder that there's no one size fits all approach, nor should we think there is. And we all really just have to continue to do better. That's such a vague statement, but it's still so true. I liked how they wrote about revisiting language and just almost completely rethinking how we refer to gender altogether. We can really revise how we do that and change it. It doesn't need to be how it's been for so long. Also recognising that it hasn't been how it's been now forever. And in a lot of cultures, ancient, ancient cultures, it hasn't been like that. Eve also talks about embracing their feminine and masculine attributes at different points and how that's been a process to be able to come to that whereas previously you know there was a point during their transition where they sort of thought I've got to reject femininity as the kind of stamp of who I am now you know I can't wear makeup I can't wear dresses I can't play with my hair and now they've kind of got to a point of going well no I am a non-binary person and for me if for anyone I should be able to reject the binary of what clothing and dress standards are and I think that's something we are starting to see glimmers of in the broader community you know as we record this we're coming off the back of the Emmys we're coming off the back of the Met Gala where we saw non-binary people and trans people and men all dressed in the most elaborate gowns I think if you even went back five years ago that wasn't happening right and it brings me a lot of joy that my kid is going to grow up seeing people express themselves however they want to express themselves and if that means glitter and jewels and sequins and I mean why shouldn't it that that's going to be part of their own identity and their own sort of exploration of fashion in the world because previously if you look at the last sort of 50 years or so women dressing in a more masculine way has been celebrated because men have always been considered as superior to women. So women who wear overalls or jeans or women who are embracing suiting, all of that is about status, right? It's about raising you up to that male status, but you don't see it going the other way because what man would demean themselves to dress like a woman? Okay, it is recommendations time. And because we don't need any speculative fiction from Astra today, we're going to begin with Maddie. Maddie, what have you got for people to go away and read for their homework? My first one is definitely Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu because I think that goes really well hand in hand with Lies Damn Lies. It's a really great historical work of Australia if you want to learn another perspective. The other one I know is an old one, but I know Why the Cage Bird Sings by Maya Angelou is just one of my favourites and she has lived such a full 
life and that's one little snippet of the beginning of her life and I think everyone can learn so much from the queen that is Maya Angelou. (laughs) You are dead right there and we will always take a Maya Angelou recommendation. I am also going to recommend two memoirs today, both also not new releases. So going back a little bit further, surprise, surprise, as regularly as Astrid recommends science fiction, I am going to recommend some Maxine Beneba-Clark, friend of the podcast. The Hate Race continues to be, I think, one of the best memoirs I have read in my life, regardless of time or place. Another one which I devoured in a day or so, and then quickly bought more copies and sent them to everyone that I could. I think she captures the experience of a black childhood in a white Australia, and she does it in a way where you are completely swept up in the child version of Maxine's headspace and you really do feel that sense of inhabiting a character who you know is not a character at all is a real person I also want to recommend Mao's Last Dancer by Lee Cookson because for me this was one of the first memoirs I read where I felt truly transported into the body and the mindset of someone who did not share my gender did not share my race and yet I felt such incredible empathy and connection and moments of sameness with Lee Cookson. Lee, of course, is Chinese born, became one of Madame Mao's famous ballet dancers and was trained in the most extraordinary regime, ends up going to America. And then when he is there in America is recalled back to China. And it's a struggle for finding a place for self-expression outside what was at the time a very compromising communist regime that meant artistic expression was generally frowned upon if it went outside what was considered uniform and permissible. So I'm going to recommend those two. Maddie Howarth, thank you for joining us on Anonymous Was a Woman. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you. That's it for this episode, everyone. Thank you for being in our company. If you want to make sure that you never miss an episode of Anonymous Was a Woman, then you have to subscribe or you have to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, why not leave us a cheeky rating or a review in addition to making Astrid and I feel good about ourselves? That will help other people find the podcast and get their love love of books on twice a week. Coming up on Thursday is our interview with Mark Humphreys, who is, of course, a comedian and satirist for the ABC 730 and who has written a new small book for Hachette. Anonymous Was a Woman is brought to you by Hachette Publishing. We thank them for their ongoing support of this podcast. We'd also like to thank Bad Producer Productions and Future Women. We'll see you on Thursday. <laughs>